um, we're kind of wrapping up our series on relationships. And before I kind of dive into it, hasn't this been a good series about relationships? Um, you can Now, let me just tell you something. I'm not going to talk at you this morning. I'm going to talk with you, okay? So some of you who have heard me speak before, you know that I like a little bit of interaction. So wasn't that a good series? Okay, there we go. Now, that's good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to get uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So um, this morning we're talking about um, kind of wrapping this thing up, and I thought it would be kind of a fun um, play on words to talk about the original social network. And so my question to you this morning is, how many of y'all are on social media? Okay, <laughs> maybe the better question is, who is not on social media? Okay, we have a few. Awesome. So if y'all needed to get off the grid, it's a little bit easier for y'all, right? Okay, so I know I know who to call just in case I need to get off the grid. Um, anyway, but you know, funny enough, we, we, we look for interaction. We look for community. We look for connection as human beings. And the problem is today we go on social media expecting a connection, and instead we just <laughs> feel more alone, feel more, uh, feel like everyone else has their life together, uh, we feel depressed in many ways. I mean, I see everybody else that has better homes or better uh, equipment for me, videography equipment. I'm always just drooling when I see people's stuff. I'm just, man. For other people, it's seeing, oh, her house looks more like Joanna Gaines than my house. Totally not fair. Yeah, awesome. So, um, but, in, I mean, isn't that the case? Like, we, we look for connection. We want to connect with people. But instead, now, social media, in many ways, is, is divisive. Like, you go on your, your news feed or your story or um, whatever, the Twitter feed, and, and you get on there and you see just hateful stuff. Like, somebody puts something out there, and everyone has to share their opinion. Everyone has to share their thoughts, but no one ever wants to get real and talk real truth about how they're being a jerk or being unfriendly and things like that. And when you do, then you're the jerk and unfriendly person. But God created inside of us as human beings this desire for relationship. And as we've been unpacking that over the last few weeks, I think you can see that. But I think that it's important to note that he has given us another way that we can see that in our lives. And so to me, the original social network is the church. So I'm going to ask you a question. What is the original social network? The church. Okay, some of you just said church. You didn't say the, so we'll work on that, okay? Today we live in a world that has more connectability. I made that word up, I think, because Microsoft Word tells me I did. Um, but we are more disconnected than ever. Anybody feel that way? Anybody feel disconnected? Anybody feel disconnected with your kids, even when you sit in the same room? What about your spouse? Preach. Okay. <laughs> we won't get into that this morning. I believe that the answer to this disconnect is the church. I really do. Um, not, not necessarily the church that we grew up in or the way that we used to do things, but the church as the way that God designed it. Y'all see the difference what I'm talking about there? Um, we have, what, what's cool about Gratis Church is that we have a lot of different denominations represented here. Um, I, I could tell you, I know Methodist, um, Baptist, um, non-denominational, uh, Church of God, Presbyterian. We, we, it, we have the whole gamut, right? 
lot of different denominations that have come here, different backgrounds. Um, I tend to say we're Baptocostal <laughs> in many ways. Um, that's just a joke. But um, kind of true. But the truth is, is, I mean, God designed the church through Scripture, and we have a very clear blueprint of what that looks like. Um, I want to read this to you. You ever heard of Francis Chan? Anybody heard of Francis Chan, Crazy Love? He has this quote, and he said, I heard one person say that the church nowadays is neither super nor natural. Everything is predictable, and everything is expected. What does that mean? It means you have a service on Sunday morning. You come in. You hear the music. You get some tinglies. You get some punchy words and get all pumped up and jacked up for Jesus. You, you set up. You tear down. Put them in a trailer. You go eat your food, and then you just rinse and repeat. It's not either super or natural, but God describes the church as supernatural. It's a supernatural thing. We've, we've settled for normalcy. In fact, we've settled for something that doesn't even really exist or shouldn't even be called the church. Now, I'm not just speaking about our church. I'm talking about the church in general. You know what's so cool about that video is that you didn't see all those people in the same church, did you? No, you saw them in real life. And that's why we say, as our vision for our church, is that we are real people making a real difference in real life. The impact that we have outside of these walls may impact generations to come, and it might not ever happen here at our church. Our stories, our lives, our witness, our light can be bright in ways that we would never see in this room. We don't know the impact that God can have with our lives. Here's the second part of a quote that he said. If all I had was the Bible and all I read was this book and start a church, what would it look like? What would it look like? Would it look like the thing that we've built here and referred to as a church or would it look radically different? You ever thought about that? If, if we didn't look at tradition, if we didn't look at history, if we didn't look at what we've always known, what would church look like? Now, I'm going to preface that. We obviously do church a little differently. Can, is that right? Yeah, we set up, we tear down. I mean, we've got a wall of farm mural behind us, okay? <laughs> we do things a little differently around here. Um, so I'll preface it with that. But, I mean, that's a good question to ask. How would our lives be different if we got our definition of church from the Bible? Would it change our lives? Would it change the way that we live? So I'm going to ask you a question. What is the church? That's right. Many of you have seen, you know, the church, the steeple thing that people do, and Dad, he says, no, this is not the church. We have no steeple. Look inside, and here are all the people. We are the people. Uh, where is your church? What, what is the phrase that we normally say around here? You're looking at it, right? And so what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor, and I want you to look at him and tell him with all seriousness, you are the church. Look at him, tell him. Come on, tell him more emph emphatically, all right? Now, now still look at them and tell them, I am the church. All right, come on now. Try it again. I am the church. There we go. Now look at them again one more time. We are the church. Now tell them the breath smells bad. I'm just kidding. 
passage we're going to read this morning is Romans 12, 1 through 21. And as Jessica's getting that pulled up, um, this is a, a great passage. And honestly, I'd never really thought about this as a body of Christ um, passage or talking about the church. But um, I'm going to read it. So don't fall asleep on these 21 verses because they're really good, okay? Um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everything among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pay, repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, that should jack some people up this morning. Like, that, that's some good stuff. You know, um, that's a lot of positive feedback. Like, that's something that we probably should read every single morning when we wake up because that just juices, juices me up there. Um, so there's three observations I see in this, and I think that can relate to how God designed the church. And the first one is this one. God designed his church to be, what's that word? Okay, wake up on me for me. All right, let's try that again. God designed his church to be, one, unique and unified. Catch that? Isn't that cool? Only God can do something like that. It's unique and unified. Um. I, I don't even I can't even give you an example that is is uh, even close to that. I mean, the only thing I could think of would be um, I'm taking my boys to Menchie's this afternoon, right? And so when you go to Menchie's, you get your frozen yogurt and you throw a whole bunch of different unique things in there. So my froyo is like 
the unified unification of yogurt there and then everything else is kind of unique the different flavors the different toppings and all that that's the only thing i can think of and maybe that's just all i'm thinking about anyway because i told them i'm going there but seriously i mean only god can create something that is both individual by nature but one and in fact jesus goes so far as to call the church the bride of christ can you say that with me say bride of christ So in verse 4, it says, we are one body having many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Praise the Lord, because I, you know, I am terrible at organization. I'm just going to admit it. I'm terrible at organization. Some of y'all just let out a hallelujah inside. I know that. Some of y'all are better shouters than you are singers, okay? We'll just be honest in this place. Some of y'all can't cook, and some of y'all are amazing cooks. God has orchestrated the body of Christ to be different, and that's a good thing, isn't it? Isn't it good that not all of us are extroverts? And all the introverts inside just said, amen, right? And in fact, I think we have more introverts in this church than we have extroverts, and that's a great thing. Another word um, for this seen throughout scripture is fellowship. Y'all ever heard of that? I mean, how many of y'all in the past had a fellowship hall in a church? Fellowship hall. Yep. So we, we like to party here at Gratis Church. We'll go out to a gathering event, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have one coming up here soon for Easter. And that's fellowship. That's great. That's community. That's living. Um, 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So my question is, and you got to be honest and answer this out loud, okay? Would you describe the American church as one? No? No. I'm going to get personal would you describe our church as one? I'm seeing a lot of... <laughs> I'd say yes. Yes, absolutely. Take a breather. It's okay. Yeah. But the church as a whole, as one... Now, let me ask you. We, no matter what we do inside these walls... We cannot affect how people view the church outside. We can't. So if you tell someone, I go to church, the first thing they're going to think of is the American church, their experience with a bunch of different churches. In fact, I had a conversation with a newfound friend this week, and she's become kind of an influencer in the Christian community. And um, she just got burnt by church. Anybody just have a bad story where you left with a bad taste in your mouth and swore that you'd never do that again, never go back there again, or never just, you were done, you wrote church off forever. She was this way, and I told her my personal mission with her is to show her that God loves his bride and that the church is a place for those who are hurting more than it is for polished saints. 
We're a hospital. We're here to love on one another. We are here to pray for one another. We are here for the hurting, not for the perfect. Because if you're looking for somebody perfect, you ain't going to find them. A house divided cannot stand. Satan's number one priority is to divide the church. Anybody else see that? You see that? You go on Facebook and someone posts something about God and then someone's attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking and they're talking about a pastor bad in this way and oh, but you don't know him. And What Satan wants us to do is he wants us to be distracted, not unified. He wants us to be divided, not together. Why? Because... When we are distracted and fighting with one another, whether it's in, inwardly in our church, which doesn't happen here, not necessarily, maybe inside your home, but not as a church-wide, but it does happen all across our country, people arguing about little things, you know, um, but if, if Satan can get us to a place of distraction, then there's no way we're going to disciple people. Actually, we will. We will disciple people, but they won't look like Jesus. They'll look like a broken church. In fact, Francis Chan, <laughs> Francis Chan was speaking at a Catalyst conference a few years ago, and he said, you know, the truth is, is we should probably stop asking everyone to make disciples because some of you, I don't want disciples that look like you. <laughs> now, that's a real statement right there. Um, so Francis Chan, he throws some heat uh, but I'm, I, that was a quote from him. That wasn't me. I wasn't saying that. I was just, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but isn't that so true that Satan wants us distracted? He wants us divided because when we're fighting this, we're not fighting darkness. We're just huddling our light together. And our light can shine the brightest in the darkest of moments. But what causes us to be divided is one word. I'm going to give you a hint. It's three letters. Anybody? Sin. Sin. I mean, that's it, plain and simple. It's easy. Sin is what divides us. Here's some common sins that I wrote down that I think that he causes, that, that, that causes division. Selfishness. What I want Envy, I want what you have. Bitterness, I'm not going to let go. Offendedness, jealousy, pride, and even wrong priorities. We, it's never going to be a good thing when we get in a comparison, even between churches. Because all that's going to do is just put bitterness or envy or jealousy inside of your heart. And that's not what we read a minute ago. Everything else we were reading a minute ago was talking about bless those who persecute you. Bless those and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so this morning I, I want to ask you a question. Like what is stopping you from being a better member of the body of Christ. What is that thing inside your own heart? Because what's beautiful is that we have this unique and individual presence, but we also have this unity. And I, I want to say this, and I actually forgot to write this down. Um, 
But in our in our growing and gratis curriculum that we have, that a lot of you will start to see very soon, um, there's a chapter called "You Are a Piece in God's Puzzle," and I want you to know that each and every single one of you, no matter how big you view yourself or how small you view yourself in God's kingdom, each and every single one of you are just as important. You ever try to put a puzzle together and you're missing that one piece and it just drives you crazy? The picture is incomplete without that piece. And in God's kingdom, no piece is bigger or smaller than the other. I want you to know that. So no matter where you view yourself in God's kingdom, I want you to know that no piece is greater or smaller than another. If you didn't have a foot, it's, it's really hard to get around. If you didn't have two feet, it'd be hard to get around. S some of y'all are blessed with being a mouth, and husbands do not look at your wives right now. Some of y'all are an ear. Some of y'all are a stomach. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just messing around. Hey, we got one. That's awesome. Love it. But, you know, the truth is, is that God made us all unique, and he gave us a, a place that we could function inside of his community, inside of his network. You ever been to one of those networking parties um, at business? Whenever you go to one of those things, what, they're all the same. It's all about, like, man, I'm going I'm to find that guy over there. He's successful. It's not that way in God's network. God is the successful one. He is the standard. We just get to be a piece in that puzzle. In fact, we don't even get to pick where we go. We just get to say, yes, I'm excited. Put me wherever you want to put me, God, and I'll be there so that that way when the picture becomes complete, people, what are they going to see? They're going to see Jesus because it's not about my piece. It's not about how I look because if you look at any kind of piece of a puzzle, most of the time it's so obscure you can't even really see it. But when it's aligned next to the person to the next and then it completes the whole puzzle you start to see the image and as the body of Christ the image that we should reflect is Christ does that make sense come on now don't fall asleep on me I know you're thinking about lunch does that make sense okay second thing I, I see here is that God designed his church to be spirit-led Churches led by men will produce ordinary results. Churches led by the Spirit will produce extraordinary results. We cannot fabricate what the Spirit can orchestrate. Oh, man, that was good. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. We cannot fabricate what the Spirit can orchestrate. What does that mean? No matter how good we are at playing church, we will never be the church unless the Spirit is the one that leads us. It's just playing. It's fake. It's plastic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You ever felt that way before? That you're just playing games, playing church games? Now, in order for us to be led by the Spirit, this is a, gr a great quote by Roger Olson. A Spirit-filled and Spirit-led church will manifest the fruit of the Spirit, including joy and the gifts of the Spirit, including prophecy, words from God, such a church will be open to the sovereign unpredictability of the Spirit. This requires a risk on the part of leadership. Leadership will leave space for the Spirit to move and work in ways that transcend, transcend traditional forms. What does that mean? Is that when we open ourselves to the Spirit, we're going to go to places that we never thought we'd go. 
I'm not saying Africa. I'm not saying Antarctica. Okay. I'm not saying you're going to be a missionary to the penguins. Okay. Don't freak out on me about that. But what I am saying is, is that we're getting out of the driver's seat and we're getting into the passenger seat and we're saying, Lord, we trust that wherever you're going to take us is the right place for us to go. This week I was driving to Atlanta airport at 4:30 in the morning. Anybody get up that early? Anybody? And I was just, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I need you to keep me awake. I'm struggling right here. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, and that's something that we'll talk about in just a minute, but actually that's the next thing. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? That's a question that we've been asking ourselves as a leadership and um, as some of the people here in the church. What do you want want me to do today? And even sometimes I'm like, hey, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do right now? And asking that question. And you'd be amazed at what he starts to say when you shut up. I mean, you'd be amazed. Now, I can just suck all the oxygen out of a room. I can talk all day long. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And so for me, it's kind of hard to be quiet. But when I ask that question, I wait. And I listen. And then the next part is obey. But I ask myself that question, and... I was stressing out about work stuff, and the Holy Spirit said, why are you worried about that? Don't you know that that was my idea? And I'm not even joking. This is, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I agree with that. And then I went, oh, my word. I just basically told God that, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't matter if I agree with him or not. I started laughing about that. But it's funny how sometimes we get this like mentality that we are in control. But the truth is, is that we are not in control. But when we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us, what we are in is alignment in his direction. You understand what I'm saying? What we are asking him to align us with where he wants us to go. And, and if we don't think that God knows the best for us and the best that we have to go, we really need to start searching deeper inside of ourselves to figure out why we believe what we believe. Because our God knows us. He fabricated us in the womb before we were ever born. He knew who you were going to be. He made you like cheese dip or ice cream and he made you like that he like he made you the way you are he made you to be exactly who you are so don't you think that the god that runs the universe is going to know what's best for you don't you like our kids think that they can eat ice cream for breakfast right we know that's not what's best for them and as children of god sometimes we think we know what's best but the truth is, is that God knows what, what's best. So when we ask this question, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? When we ask ourselves that question, it really opens up a completely different world of possibilities. The last thing is God designed his church to be obedient. First Samuel fifteen twenty two says, and Samuel said, has the Lord as, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As in, obey, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. Obedience is better than sacrifice. It's easy for us to 
to pull out money and just give it away. It's hard for us to listen and obey. You know what I'm saying? You following me? As Christians, we must accept the responsibility for our own obedience. Obedience isn't mindless acceptance. In fact, it's the opposite. Obedience is acknowledging that God knows what's best and right for us, then putting his direction into action. Following what I'm saying? Many people think that Christians are just mindless robots. You ever heard that said before? You're just following some cosmic Santa Claus up in heaven who's telling you all to do. You guys are stupid. You don't think for yourselves. I've heard that said about Christians. It's not mindless. It's us mindfully acknowledging that he is in control and choosing that we are going to follow him despite whatever we think because we know he knows what's best and what's right for us, and we're going to put his direction into action. It's not just agreeing with it. It's not just aligning yourself to it. It's actually putting action to it. In, in my house, many of y'all have heard me talk about man and training before with my kids, right? And uh, every morning, we, most mornings, not every morning, most mornings, I uh, get the boys to recite their little chant. And it's, I will listen and obey. I will honor and respect. I will treat others better than myself. And I will love God with all my heart. I'm a man in training. That's what they say every morning. I was like, man, they're learning a little theology right there. They don't even know it. But we talk about those words, listen and obey, a lot with kids. But as adults, it's a little bit harder. First of all, we don't even listen. A lot of times we just one-sided. But then when you put the obey to it, it's kind of like, hey, I'm my own thing. Like, I'm not having to do that thing anymore. But would you imagine if you asked the Holy Spirit, and you were spirit-led with this, and you asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? And you listen first, and then you acted on that whatever he said. Think about that. Do you know what the opposite of obedience is? Disobedience. Y'all, I think that the church is living in disobedience. Anybody else feel that same way? One, we're not even asking the Holy Spirit. You know what? Sometimes we're not even acknowledging that the Holy Spirit exists. When's the last time you've told him that you loved him or even asked him anything? Think about that. Jesus said that I am going so that someone greater than I can come. Greater not meaning greater in power, but what he was saying is that the Holy Spirit can come and he can indwell every single one of my believers so that my kingdom can expand even further. Because Jesus was spending most of his time with 12 people, but the majority of that was actually with three people. So Jesus spent most of his time with three people and changed the entire world, flipped it upside down. But if the Holy Spirit is inside millions of believers, imagine, it is the same power, it is the same presence as God with us. We don't have to get hyped up and excited about an experience here on Sunday morning because we have that same power inside of us on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, and Saturday morning. But we're living in defeat. 
I see a bunch of defeated faces on a daily basis. And I know that I have the answer, and it is God. It is the Holy Spirit inside of us. This morning, you may, be, you may have walked in feeling defeated. Like no matter how hard you work or how hard you try with something, it's just not going to change. And I want to tell you something. You're right. Because this morning, you need to start giving it away to God. You need to let go. You need to start asking, you're asking the wrong questions. God, why me? What am I doing here? And we need to start asking the right question. God, what do you want me to do? You, not me. We are not defeated. In fact, we are already victors. We have already overcome. This stuff is just worldly stuff. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So here's seven things that we can do, and then we'll wrap up. Seven things. In order to be the church, we must be with the church. I'm just going to get take my pastor hat off for a second and take the gloves off for a second. The people that say that they can be a Christian and not go to church. Now, that's not y'all this morning. Y'all are here. Y'all are here. Y'all are amazing. Props. But the people who say they can be a Christian and not be plugged into the body of Christ are just fooling themselves. Because if we're going to be the church, we got to be with the church. And that just that means even outside of Sunday morning. If you're not part of a small group, join one. Why? Because you're doing life together. We need each other. We're incomplete without each other. And God has designed a whole community and a whole place, a whole network of people who can come alongside you and pray for you and pray with you and put their arm around you and say, listen, I know it's tough. I know life stinks. But you know what? I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk through this with you. I might not look like you, sound like you, talk like you, but I'm going to do this with you because I got the same spirit inside of me. And we're going to do this together. We're going to fail forward. We're going to love Jesus. Second thing, ask the spirit Listen and obey. I'm going to be honest with you. Most of you have never asked the Holy Spirit to do anything in your life. And honestly, until somewhat recently, I hadn't even really thought about that either. If I can be transparent. We, we talk real in here, right? So if that's you this week, this morning, today, this minute, whatever, I want you to... Before we leave this place, ask the Holy Spirit a question. Maybe it's the first time you ever ask him, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do with my marriage? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do with my job, my finances, whatever that might be? And then listen. Just listen. Then when he, when he, when he tells you, because he will, whether it's through God's word, through a sign, you never know. However he communicates back, we, we need to walk through that. We need to obey. The third thing, see the need, meet the need. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you see somebody that's struggling, help them out. You know, I love seeing what we've done for our sister Mary Spencer and being able to love on her as she's been going through all the stuff that she's had physically giving her meals or just praying for her, being there, that support. See the need, meet the need. It's not rocket science. 
If you see somebody that's having a hard time, help them. Fourth thing, violently repent and confess sin. For some reason, nobody wants to talk about sin in church anymore. It's almost like we pretend like it doesn't exist. But remember what I said a second ago, sin is what is causing us to be divided. We're afraid because we feel like we need to be perfect. But the truth is that we don't. You need to find someone around you and just, we should be able to confess our sin. In fact, the Bible says that when we confess our sins to one another, that it starts to provide healing for us. Not just confessing it to Jesus, because when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. But Jesus goes on to further to say that confess your sins to one another and we'll provide, it'll provide healing. It lets us burden and this heaviness of just disappear. So if you feel that way, find someone that you can trust or just find somebody that's a believer and just download. Just tell them <laughs> and ask them to pray for you. The next one is um, pray for your church. When's the last time you prayed for gratis? Think about that. Not on Sunday morning. That's a good question. And then the last one is to not compare our church to others. We're, the church should be united, not divided. When we compare our church to another church, now I'm not talking about learning and and trying to find out what other places are doing right and maybe something failed and learning from someone else's experiences. But I'm saying is, is that we don't need to be the best church around. We need to be our best. And the difference is we're not looking around to see how we can rate each other on a scale. We're looking at ourselves and saying, God, how can I be my best today? What is the best that we can do? Because that church should be doing the same thing. What is the best that they can do? But when we can play, play that comparison game, we find ourselves in this vicious cycle of basically being nasty and it, it kind of happens trust me i mean i've seen it i've done it i'm, I'm not going to tell you i haven't so these seven things are great practical steps that we can take and i want you to know you are the church look at your person next to you and tell them you are the church now tell them i am the church and tell them we are the church let's pray God, thank you so much for us being able to be part of this organism called the church. And as we kind of wrap up this morning, I pray that for those who have never spoken to you and asked you to speak into their lives, Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would speak very clearly to them this morning. And then give them the strength and the boldness to carry that out with obedience. Holy Spirit, what do you want our church to do? What do you want us to do in this place? We recognize that you are in control. And we want to listen to you. We want to follow what you have to say. As our band plays in here just a second, if you need prayer this morning, we're going to have a few people up here with me, up front, that would love to pray for you. Or if you have never followed Jesus, and you're still the driver of your own destiny, and you feel like you're 
lost and wandering. God's word says to confess your sin. He is faithful to forgive you of it. Confess that he is Lord. And it's by his grace that we've been saved through faith. And it's not about us. It's about what he has for us to offer. If you want to follow Jesus this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something radical. And it's not crazy. Just come down. Come talk to me. Come talk to Miss Elsie. Come talk to Matt. We'll be standing up here. We're not going to judge you. In fact, we'll celebrate with you. Same thing. If you feel like